Welcome back, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to the eighth episode of my podcast called It's Just Personal, which is a podcast that focuses primarily on why relationships are so critical to the life we all live. I'm your host, Zach Falk, and today's episode is called Life's Most Meaningful Relationship. So with the title alone, I'm guessing you may have an idea who's sitting next to me. It's my wife. You nailed it. She's, of course, incredibly gorgeous, as you can tell. She's a powerhouse boy mom. She's the life of the party. Most people like her more than me, so you'll get to see that today. And she's an excellent listener. But today we're going to make her talk so you can hear from her. And most importantly, she's a strongly committed Christ follower, just like myself. So without further ado, please welcome Maggie Falk to the podcast. Maggie, say hi to our audience. Hello. So it's probably not hard for you to understand why I want to be here interviewing my wife. Uh, she's incredibly important to me, and she and my kids are honestly one of the main reasons why I do what I do, why I do mortgages, why I do podcasts, why I create content for you guys. Um, there's so much to life that revolves around family, and that is outpoured in what we do in our daily lives. But enough about me, because you want to hear from Maggie. So let's dig into her story. She has an incredible story. She's a born and raised Montanan, and I'm going to have her tell you about uh, kind of what that looked like. So Maggie, why don't you start for us by explaining how you grew up, uh, kind of what life looked like for you at an early age, and then we'll get into some other stuff after that. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I grew up in Corum, which is five minutes from uh, the entrance of Glacier National Park. Um, there was seven of us kids, so I had six siblings who were... Uh, Super fun. <laughs> I was homeschooled all the way through. My dad worked up in the park um, part-time, and then he picked up odd jobs, so we grew up uh, a little lower in salary end. Um, so by default, we ended up living off of, you know, we hunted for, for meat and the garden, and my mom made bread from scratch. She ground her own wheat, and um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of hands-on work to just kind of make it by. Uh, especially from us kids and most definitely from my parents. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was an interesting upbringing that I am 100% grateful for looking back on this end. And I somehow want to recreate that for our kids, you know, kind of deprive them of things that, um, so they learn to just be content and to work hard. Um, so, yeah, it was a huge blessing to do that. Um, my parents started going to a Christian church when I was about two so from there on out, we um, yeah started the journey of having faith in our Lord and Savior, and uh, we can't. The background before that was some legalism and some Catholicism, and um, so just figuring all that out as I grew up was um, was had its challenges, and it still has its uh, challenges now. You know, as we face different things, but um, yeah, super grateful for everything that I was given. I'm glad you mentioned that because I grew up in a Christian home that was kind of what I would consider an established Christian home. Um, I think I've heard you say this before. You kind of grew up learning Christianity with your parents as opposed to your parents teaching you Christianity. Is that yes, true? Yes, yes. Um, obviously, I was a child, so I still got taught. But in, in the grand scheme of just learning, walking that road of faith, you know, you grow even as a child. So, yeah, there was some growth together versus teaching. Totally. Sure. How did your mom homeschool seven kids? I don't know. She's an amazing <laughs> woman. I 
I'm scared to think about homeschooling R3. So, uh, yeah, she she did an amazing job. I think um, she was she just taught us all to love to learn. Mm. So when we got to college, it wasn't even do I know this knowledge? It's no matter what you're throwing at me, no matter who you are, no matter what you book you give me, I'm going to learn it because I want to know what's in it, not just to get a good grade. And as I, again, I wish I, I want to recreate that for our kids because it's such a, an amazing thing. Um, yeah. So whatever she did, she nailed it. She nailed, she it. nailed it. That is great. Yeah. Do you think that growing up, um, on the poorer end, um, also taught you life lessons that you use today? Oh, definitely. Just, uh, my dad was so good at teaching us how to, you know, compare things at the grocery store of, you know, if you go and look at the ounces and the, you know, can you save 10 cents or if you drive to a different gas station, can you save a penny per gallon? And it's definitely worth it. <laughs> so everything was a lesson to just, you know, pinch pennies and save where you can and, uh, I think because of that, I am a more frugal saver. I'm a huge coupon person. I <laughs> overuse any savings I can. <laughs> Which, just for the record, I'm grateful for because <laughs> it uh, matters to me too. So thank you, Maggie. <laughs> Maggie's parents. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's great. So, okay, so you grew up in Corum. You um, had to learn a lot of things early, specifically how to learn. You had to learn how to kind of live off the land, be content with things. Um, going beyond that, I know you started work at a very young age, so why don't you explain a little bit about your first job, how old you were, and kind of what that looked like. Yeah, so the KOA campground was about five minutes from us as well, up in West Glacier, and, um, it be kind of became a family employee, just what everyone did, all my older siblings had a job there, so I was the next up. So when I turned 13, I applied, and I got it by default, um... I had no skills at anything. I was so beyond shy. Uh, I would sometimes cry if you just talked to me. So, <laughs> of course, they put me in the waitressing position, which, um, by God's grace, it was exactly what I needed to break me out of my shell because I needed to talk to people and look them in the eye and give them food. And, um, yeah, it was a great start to becoming who I am today, honestly. I was just going to say that. For those of you who know Maggie, she's she's not shy. <laughs> she's not like, she won't cry if you talk to her. In fact, she craves talking to people. <laughs> so hearing that just still makes me laugh. But uh, Yeah, I was one to, um, I would hide in the trees and my you know, people couldn't find me for hours. And I definitely, they, my parents called the cops once because they couldn't find me. And I was just asleep in the tree or something. I don't know. So. <laughs> that, that is awesome. <laughs> okay, so you work at the KOA. How long were you there? Started at 13. Yeah, and I actually worked all the way up through in the summer, so I didn't work during school, um, but I worked all, uh, I guess even until maybe the first year of college. I think I worked the summer after that as well. So I want to say it was like nine to ten years that I was up there. That's amazing for a first job to last that long. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What did you, you do after KOA? Um, I worked at Norm's News for a brief period of time, uh, and that was fun. Got to learn some candy. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. Um, it's our kids' favorite store, by the way. Yeah. They love going to Norm's News. Yeah, it was a fun place to work. And then after that, we got married. And so um, I was finishing my degree at FECC for teaching, 
And then after we got married, we decided to jump into buying a restaurant with uh, my father-in-law, so Zach's dad, Terry. And that happened a month after we got married. Yeah. Or maybe the same month. Yeah, it was almost <laughs> exactly one month. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we quickly jumped into being business owners. And that was a blast. What a whirlwind, right? Yeah. That's all I remember from that period of time was just a whirlwind. But it was fun. Yeah, I I definitely actually, as a kid, I always wanted to be and own a little bakery. I love baking. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I thought, this is, you know, this, it's a cafe. I can bake, and th- that will kind of be uh, what I've always wanted to do. So it was really exciting at first. And then when you get into it and you get your hands dirty, you realize you spend more of your time washing dishes and grill cooking than having any time to change the menu or, you know, bake new things to try to sell. Yes. I can. Uh, I I worked at a restaurant too early as a kid. My dad calls it restaurant university because you learn a lot of really good skills. But I joke with people and I say I've never actually washed dishes at a restaurant until I owned one. And um, I think that just goes to show you do what you have to when you're in an ownership position. Uh, it's considered glamorous to be an owner until you are one, and then you understand how much work it actually is to own a company or. And, and then to try to make it profitable at that. So what did you do specifically? There were three of us, um, of course, that were involved in the ownership piece. What was your role within Split Rock Cafe? We owned it for about three years. So what did you do for those three years? Yeah, um, your dad was obviously the main owner. He um, bought it with us. And so he, I became more of the floor manager because I handled the front of the house and managed the employees up there, the hosts and the servers and um, I ended up serving a lot myself just to save on cost to pay someone else, um, which was really fun for me. I got to serve again, which I did, you know, since I was 13. So it's just fun getting to know people, especially tourists from out of town. And I love hearing about why they're here and where they came from. And, um, yeah, so it was really fun for me. So one of the things that I remember is that if there wasn't someone who showed up for their shift, um, it was you, me, or, or my dad who filled that position. So do you have any specific stories you can think of where you're planning on doing something else and then all of a sudden you're at work? Oh, I mean, it's just a blur at this <laughs> point. But that first summer we owned it, I think, we, you know, summer was normally we could go away for the weekend, we'd go camping. And that summer we could not leave for one. We couldn't take a day off without someone not showing up. Yeah, employees showing up was the toughest thing. So um, I think after a while, we just expected that we were going to be there every single day, especially on the weekends and especially on Sundays. Uh, which Sundays kind of give me PTSD <laughs> thinking back to those lunch rushes, honestly. Uh, I just, But also at the end when we closed at 2.30, we were, it was just like a, such an accomplishment that yes. we survived. So I remember you talking about the, so there's like this little um, receipt machine in the back when you're cooking food and anytime a server puts in an order it creates a receipt for the cook to grab and and put it up and start cooking the meal i remember you specifically saying that you used to have nightmares about the sound <laughs> that I that receipt machine actually sometimes <laughs> do i'm not gonna lie that's how busy it was it was just which was, was such a good thing oh like, yeah that we, because it was a previously, it was an established restaurant before we bought it. So what coming into it, um, 
you know, you kind of get that regular clientele, but that we came in new and fresh and that we just got a huge rush of new people and that we were busy. It was great. But yeah, it was also still hard. Night, right? Still nightmare. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the focus of this podcast, of course, is on relationships. Um, and you were in a position managing the front of the house to have relationships with your employees and also to have, you, I mean, you were the main face of Split Rock, in my opinion, because you were the one dealing with the customers. Yeah. So what did you leverage from a relationship perspective to not only try to give that person an excellent experience, but then also creating them the desire to come back? Uh, just be myself because I'm so charming. Yes. <laughs> but hang on, this is good. That's actually, <laughs> you meant it as a joke, but it's true. You were yourself and people yeah, gravitated Yeah, I, I did that. try to just 100% be myself. Uh, when I was having a hard moment or a hard day, they could tell probably, and <laughs> I probably said a few things, but you know, people are people and they also go through hard things and they understand and they're sympathetic. Um, when you kind of put on a face a lot, people can usually see that too and they don't necessarily appreciate it. So it was um, something I definitely learned all the way back when I was 13 being shy that people understood sometimes that I was shy even then and they were, you know, they made me feel comfortable to talk to them. So mm. that, you know, changes through the years and I was able to grow that in myself. Yeah, for sure. We're talking about Split Rock, but I want to back up real quick because you just reminded me of something about the KOA. Maggie is so good at relationships to the point where... I married you. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Everyone's wondering how that actually happened now. Oh uh, but no, there was. there's a particular couple, and I think you know who I'm talking about. We went and visited yeah. them. Um, why don't you talk to the audience about this couple and kind of what happened just from simply, I shouldn't say simply, but in this case, simply being their waitress. Yeah. Their names are Gordon and Roxanne and I still hold them dear to my heart. They, um, they were just a couple that came every year to the KOA. So I knew the dates they came and I would look forward to it. And I remembered their order every morning when they would come to breakfast. Uh, and over the years I would developed enough of a relationship that, um, we just became friends and they also love the Lord. And so that connected us in a deeper way. And, uh, they invited us up to, they live in Canada and they invited us up for uh, Canadian Thanksgiving one year and Zach got to join me and my brother Isaac came and, uh, it was just fun. And there was multiple people like that. It wasn't just them. I still, um, am friends with a handful of people on Facebook, you know, to this day that will comment on things and that I just met simply at the KOA. So that was fascinating to me. So we were dating at the time, and the concept of going to these random people's homes <laughs> in Canada, like in Edmonton, so it's not like a short trip, um, it just blew my mind. I'm like, you want to go see customers in Canada for a weekend? <laughs> but then you met them. And, and then I met like... them. But the point is, is like you had created such a relationship that that was well worth the time spent in your mind. And of course, they loved having us too. And so... I'm just grateful for who you are in that perspective. Cause, and then that extended into Split Rock, of course. And I know you have had relationships with regulars that would come back to see Maggie. They didn't necessarily yeah. even care that they were going to Split Rock, but they wanted to see Maggie. And so I think that's just a great depiction of, of how you handle yourself. Yeah, and it wasn't just me, obviously. It was your dad and you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of all had our niche that we, you know, became friends with. And then they came back and... 
Absolutely. Or they just like the atmosphere and that we created. So. Yeah. So um, let's talk about kiddos for a little bit because um, so we're owning a restaurant early in our marriage and then kids come along. So can you describe? Really yeah. So we had uh, our first kiddo, oh gosh, 18 months after we were married approximately? Yeah. So the next summer we got married in January and then, and then that's when we bought the restaurant. So the next summer... Uh, we were geared up for another busy summer of split rock, but this time I am, uh, you know, nine months pregnant. It was at the end of June. So, and then I had an infant, so I definitely had to take a step back, but at the same time, you know, people didn't show up. So, um, Terry, Zach had to work during the day, obviously at his other job. So if it was not a weekend, then either I, I would take Desmond with me and Terry would take him if I had to do front of house or we would switch or just kind of became this he kind of came and hang out with us and I would, I would wear him sometimes yeah. and still take orders um it was yeah it was awesome I have memories of him Desmond just sitting in a car seat like next to the dish pit <laughs> like just chilling there hanging out while mom and dad and grandpa it wasn't very long you know <laughs> we were there too yeah great great experience so we have Desmond and then uh we have Sebastian and Elias we have three boys why don't you talk a little bit about being a boy mom and you've come to really embrace that, I think. So explain why. Yeah. Embrace or just always wanted. <laughs> I think God knew exactly what I needed and, um, yeah, he gave it to me. We have three amazing boys and I, Zach is a competitive person, but I am a special kind of competitive person as well. So, you know, the sports and the fighting, it's, of course, crazy and insane, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, something that I enjoy and I look forward to the next day. To our, ki our kids fight? No, I've never. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay, so you got three kids. You're home with them the majority of the day, majority of the weeks, um, while I'm trying to sling mortgages. So can, can you explain what a traditional day looks like for you with the kids? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the season of mm -hmm. life. Um, I guess right now it's summer, so uh, our middle child wakes up bright and early, about 6.30, um, and we've kind of taught him to play quietly, so he does his thing, and then everyone's up about 8 when Dad goes to work. And, yeah, it just depends on the weather. I mean, they are super into reading and board games, so that usually starts out every morning while I try to finish my coffee, which gets spilt <laughs> probably once a day. Um, and then I just don't even remake another one because it's not worth it. Sometimes I get a text that's like, you won't believe it, my coffee's spilt again. <laughs> it's that kind of morning. And I'm like, oh, Our, our carpet sorry. is definitely coffee stained. Um, but yeah, lots of board games, lots of books and reading. And then... Um, Depending on the day, you know, we go to the lake or we go outside in the backyard. We ride bikes. Um, if we have ingredients, the kids like to bake. I love to bake, so we usually bake something. Uh, we have rest time. Sometimes squeeze in a nap. Doesn't usually happen. So um, those are like the fun things that you do. I don't have any hard things. Oh, stop. <laughs> you work harder than I do. I tell people that all the time. So how do you mix in? So you're a mom of three, and kids want to have fun. That's all. The kids wake up every day, and they go, how can I have as absolute much fun as possible today? And they don't necessarily consider anything else. 
So how do you mix in chores, keeping the household in order, teaching the kids, yeah, caring for the kids? Like how does that all more realistic come together? Maybe I'll just do like a, a video, follow me around for a day. There you, you go. What I do. Stay yeah, tuned. I did just highlight like the 10 minute times where I play with them. It's not, you know, I'm not playing on the floor all day. Um, yeah, I think once they are set up doing something and I jump in and I do like to just stay busy. So I'm, you know, I'll throw the dishes in if I walk in the kitchen or the boys also all have their chores. Like they unload the dishwasher and they like to sweep. They love to mop because they get to make a mess. Um, <laughs> They clean up with me. It's almost like an activity, you know, who can clean up the fastest when that time comes. Right? Competition always. Yeah. Um, yeah, learning. This We homeschooled a little bit last year with Desmond in kindergarten, and that was fun. It was more of a trial year because he's, you know, he was just five, so, and he's also brilliant. Um, but it was fun to get into some of that learning mode, and then this year will be more full swing with him in first grade. And, um yeah. That's great. No, that's that's awesome. Sometimes I honestly, so every once in a while, Maggie will go away for a weekend or something like that, which is awesome that she does. Um, and I have the kids for a weekend, and I like cannot wait till she comes home because <laughs> I'm over my head. And I, I shouldn't make it sound so terrible. I love it. All I'm trying to highlight is just how much work moms do that goes totally unnoticed within uh, just basically every society. Moms do a lot when they stay home with kids, and, and Maggie's just on par with, in my opinion, above or below par, I guess if we're using a golf analogy, <laughs> on, uh, on her skills as a mother. So one of my favorite things that I see is that uh, sometimes I'll come home and there's like a big giant craft on the table, and I don't think of doing crafts with the kids. That sounds like a lot of work. Oh, it is. So, but what gives you... You're a very committed mother. I know it's a lot of work. So what gives you the drive to do those things for your kids and to create that experience for them? Honestly, it goes back to my mom. She was an amazing at crafts. And usually the crafts you find at my table or our table when we come home are usually from my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> she, yes, she gets an idea and then she takes off with it. And she, uh, since growing up with that, when the boys do get an idea and they're super excited about, who knows, making something out of something because their minds go crazy, you know, we try to make that happen. Um, That's fun. It usually lasts, like, it takes about an hour for me to set up. It's like a five-minute activity. <laughs> and then it just probably sits there till you get home. <laughs> and then an hour to clean up. So two hours <laughs> of work for five hours of fun. I mean, sorry, five <laughs> minutes. Five I mean, minutes if of cleaning fun. was fun, which it is, then... <laughs> The whole day is fun. Nice. Okay, so now let's peel back the layers a little bit. What is the absolute, and I want you to be brutally honest, what is the hardest part about being a mom? Just one thing. My brain's short-circuiting. You can think of uh, many if you'd like. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing there I are I mean, many. at our stages. So they are five, four, and two, almost six. Um they are just all at each other's throats all the time. So there is so much fighting constantly. And uh, the discipline aspect of just trying to figure out which kid to discipline first or which kid is telling the truth or which, you know, just even separating so I can think for a second. Uh, yeah, I think right now that would probably be the toughest thing for me 
um, which in my heart is stopping whatever I'm doing, which is housework or setting up the project that we were so excited about in the first place. <laughs> you know, you, I, it's, I, I then have that, why, why are you, why are you doing this right now? And I, that selfish part of me wants them to just stop because I can't accomplish what I'm accomplishing. And so I think that's what God's really working on in my heart too, through this stage of parenting is if things aren't going to get done, it's okay. Just take a breath and, you know, just figure it out with them. Their little brains and their bodies are working so hard to just grow, you know, and figure out how to be godly men in this world. And, and I was placed here to, you know, walk them through that. So it's, it's a blessing, even though it's really hard. It's well said. I, I, I find that interruptions, is, which is kind of what you're talking about, you're doing a task, you have something that you need to get done, and you're interrupted. Yeah. And that could be a kiddo, it could be a phone call, it could be whatever, but I experienced that in my day too. Interruptions are really tough for me because they take you off the train of thought that you're currently in. Yeah. And so um, I, I was listening to something, I don't remember who said it, but the people who serve the best are okay with all forms of interruptions. And what I appreciate about that was, I, I, like one of the things I think about is you're driving to work or you're driving to the lake and you see somebody in need, somebody's got a flat tire or whatnot. 99% of people just go, good luck, hope you get that tire fixed because it's an interruption. They have somewhere that they're going. And so I think Someone that... Someone else will take care of them. I got three kids. Right, or whatever it may be. So <laughs> it's true. But so being interruptible is an important part of relationship building. And oftentimes the kids notice that too, oh, yeah. I'm sure, right? Well, and as a mom, I think it's just removing things that you're focusing on, which is like number one in today's society is just putting your phone down. Um, sure, maybe I'm trying to text someone. Maybe I'm just looking something up, how to do this craft. <laughs> <laughs> These crafts keep coming up. <laughs> Sorry, it's really not a craft person. <laughs> Art, anything, no, not my thing. I'd rather bake any day. I can make a mess in the kitchen, and that's, I mean, I make a mess. Boy, can she make a mess and in the kitchen. And that's fun, no. but if it's like cutting and paper and glue and paint and, ugh, yeah, rather not. <laughs> I can't eat it, so why do I make it? Right? So how do you basically look, so you're talking about how the Lord's working on that in your heart. Mm-hmm. What does being interruptible look like to you besides just, putting your phone down like is it a is it a way of thinking is it intentional action yeah I mean I think honestly it starts with prayer um that I would just be aware of everything around me and not just so fixated on trying to send this text or you know trying to finish the dishes I'm a very like time oriented person and I put everything in a if I do this and I do this and then I do this and I do this so like if I can't I'm almost thinking ahead three steps. And so if I get interrupted here, it skews mm. my whole path. And if for me, it's like that path doesn't matter. Mm. Like you have to switch your mind. Or for me, I have to switch my brain to Desmond's path matters today. And his is like going like this. So mine just has to go in the garbage. Like, mm. So praying that God would just give me the, uh, you know, the sight for that, that. And to remind me in the moment because it's, it's like anything we struggle with. You know? that's, no, it's great. I think the other challenging part about being a parent is that it can't always be about the kids either. Oh, 100%. And so, but it's 
the interruptibility becomes challenging then because you go, so is this a proper interruption or is this where they need to just do the right? <laughs> but either way that? they're interrupting me. If I have to send them to just figure it out on their own or sure. if I have to deal with like for me personally, either way it's interrupting me, sure. but I agree that that's the next step after it. Instead of just be like, leave me alone. Is it, do I have to dive into this more and figure it out for him or mm-hmm. does, does he just need some time out? Being a parent is one of the most challenging things people do, in my opinion. Um, would you I, agree? Well, yeah. Like, com- like compare being a mom to running a restaurant, which is harder. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but see, the, in, a, in a sense, though, when you are a business owner, you have like a bunch of kids. They're just older and they should know what they're doing. But... Mm. I mean, in a way, I felt like I was parenting adults and teenagers uh, in that managing role. So, yes. And parenting, we haven't gotten to the bigger stages yet, and I know that comes with a a different set of problems. But, yeah, I think parenting is one of the, what does your dad always say, most rewarding, challenging things you've ever ever done. done. And uh, so far, I 100% agree. Nice. So we've talked a lot about kids. Uh, We've talked a little bit about work. What are some of the fun things you do for you, like hobbies? Let's just pretend like we didn't have kids. Of course, that's crazy, but for the sake of the analogy, what do you do for fun when you get the opportunity? Fun. Nothing, apparently. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I, yeah, I need to work on that probably. Um, I did, you know, as a parent, I mean, even you, mm-hmm. we both, our window of time where we can do something is so limited that when we do, sometimes we just want to not do anything. Sure. You know, we're trying to recoup. But um, I do really like sports. So, like, basketball is really super fun to go play when I can. I do go to the gym. Um, I get to bring the kids, and they have uh, childcare there. So that's, uh, like, my little piece of um, fun, I guess, during sure. the week. Um, but I do, I, I love hiking and camping. And so we get to do that as a family. It's really fun, uh, hanging out with my family, sisters, my mom. Uh, yeah. Great. No. So you, um, you mentioned basketball. Do you play basketball growing up? Uh, yeah, I guess my dad forced me to play when I was in eighth grade and I cried like every practice. Were you shy? Is that why you cried? Oh no. <laughs> I also cried all the time, <laughs> all the time. Like I, my mom would have to just tell me to go cry until I stopped, which could be hours. Like Maybe I, I should try that. Uh, I don't cry anymore. All my kidding. tears are gone. Just no. kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Were you a good basketball player? Um, I think relative to the, the team and... What is that called? League I was in, I was decent... Okay, so Maggie's being extremely humble right now, so I'm going to take a moment to brag about her. No, I'm not. She scored over 1,000 points in her high school career. Not very many high school players do that. That's not a big deal. Not very many high school players have teams with eight people, eight to No, 12. I get it. I get it. But the point is, is you're an excellent basketball player, so I'm grateful that you still today enjoy playing basketball. And what I also love is that your dad pushed you to do that, and you didn't want to do it. But now it's somewhat of a hobby, right? No, it's true. And my dad worked really hard with me. He would make me shoot 100 free throws a day. And, he, you know, after work, he would get me on that court. He knew it was dark. Did you guys have um, a court at home? 
We did, yeah. I know. It's, it's nice. how poor we were. My dad ended up having some extra concrete, and he poured a half quart slab. Uh, so we spent a lot of time on that. Uh, even riding bikes or mm-hmm. yeah, basketball, lots of basketball. What's really cool about that court is our kids now use it. Yeah. And the and the nieces and nephews do. Yeah. You know, <coughs> have like bike tournaments basically run around. Call it boot off the road. Yeah. You would try to touch the person in front of you's tires so they would go off the oh court and then they were out. <laughs> you ready to get seriously injured? Sounds dangerous. None of us, you know, really ever broke anything. I mean, what a serious <laughs> injury. Serious is relative, right? <laughs> That is funny. Okay, so before we wrap up, I want to hit a couple other things on split rocks. I find that very fascinating that that you did that. Um, what I do on this podcast is I oftentimes interview business owners or salespeople, people who are in theory responsible for writing their own paychecks. I find that extremely fascinating because it requires a, a, an intense amount of courage um, and focus and strategy mentally. So when you were at Split Rock, did you ever feel the sense that I need to perform so that I can do well from a monetary perspective? Yes and no. Um, I think because of my parents and my dad growing up, it was it was never really work for money. It was you work and you work as hard as you can. And at the end of the day, you get this paycheck and that's great. And it was almost like separate in my brain. Hmm. I don't think that's how everyone, you know, I think, especially because I'm a woman as a man and, you know, you as the husband had to focus a little more on the the end of the day part of it. But, um, so no in that sense, but also yes, because it wasn't just my financial, hmm. you know, it was a family thing. And yes, we wanted to maximize the margins on everything. And if that meant, you know, saving every little <clears throat> piece of food, you know, or to reuse for something else or to save on dishwashers and dishwash for the day. It was, yeah. It was. Did you find that, I, I, before I ask that question, I really appreciate what you just said, which I think a lot of people could take value from. You work as hard as possible every day at your job at being a mom, whatever. And you just do that because it's the right thing to do. Not because there's a paycheck coming at the end or not because your kids give you a hug at night. You do it because it's the right thing to do. So did you employ that perspective then at the restaurant every day or or was there way or were there times where it became more about the money or was it just always I'm going to work really hard? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there was times when, you know, days were extra slow or weeks or months became slow, you know, and you really had a penny pinch and, uh, you know, how can you best make that work? And then when kids came along, it just, it made it harder for me to contribute in that way. Um, But I do think overall, I did try to emphasize that and even kind of explain that to the servers even because when you are in any business where you get tips as part of your money, um, discontentment can quickly roll in if you are focusing on, you know, every single tip amount and what percentage it is on each check. And I never looked until the end of the day and almost always it evened out to be about what it should be. But yeah, I got, you know, some people got upset and 
some people left and some people gave extra. But if you're focusing on each one, and I think that can apply to you know, anything in life and mortgages, you know, yeah, you lose one, you get a really big one next month or whatever that looks like. I think you, if you're so focused on the details, sometimes you can just get lost in it and get discontent. Totally. That, of course, brings in a, a big reason for everything, which is providence, yeah. right? And there's, it's going to be what it's going to be. That doesn't excuse either of us from working hard because that's our responsibility. Right. But it is going to be what it's going to be at the end of the day. And that, that perspective can breed a lot of contentment um, in each of our minds, right? Do you agree? Yeah. But like you said, on the flip side, I mean, you can't just be lazy either and, <laughs> and not... Because yes. it is, it is what it is, you know. Yeah. yeah, there has to be the work hard because God calls us to, and you know that verse of everything you do do unto His glory, and or work as hard as you can. Yeah, what is that Colossians verse? Yeah, whether you eat or drink, whatever yeah. you do, do it all for the glory of God. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Absolutely, I got your back. No problem. <laughs> um, no, that's great. Okay, so uh, in conclusion, I like to always get an idea uh, from the people I interview of what's coming, what's on the horizon, what's next. It's really easy to get trapped in the day-to-day. If I And you mentioned the path, right? I've got a path for how this day is going to go. You can create a path for the day. You can create a path for a week. Most people are okay at that. A month gets trickier. A year, five years, ten years. It's harder and harder for people to think that far out. So for Maggie, what is on the horizon for you over the next five to 10 years? What do you think your life's going to look like? Five to 10 days? <laughs> no, years. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I, part of it is just trusting God because I think if I'm focusing so much on five to 10 years and what my goals, you know, that I need to accomplish by then or where the kids should be in certain things, then I, I'm either let down because it's not there or I cut myself short because I reached a goal that I could have gone further in, Mm. you know, to some degree. Um, I think God calls us to look at each day as it is. And that is again, something my dad used to just say is, you know, he gave you today, you know, live it the best way you can and don't worry about tomorrow. Um, I agree. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, I haven't even really thought about it. Okay. Are you thinking, are you, were you asking more me personally or yeah. our family yeah, yeah, yeah. or the kids? No, I agree with the concept entirely. And what are some specifics of what the next five to 10 years look like? <laughs> no, that was my answer. Um, okay. I mean, the kids will be in middle school, even high school. In 10 years, I imagine we're going to be completely swamped with sports of every kind. Nice. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be in our new house by then. Yes. Maybe 10 years from now. <laughs> yeah. Might take 10 years. On the trajectory we're on. Um, no, super excited for that. And just to have our, our home that the kids remember growing up in is that one and being, you know, on your dad's, plus your dad's property. and. Um, totally. Yeah. I don't know. After That's great. That. The, what I learned from that is Maggie's not too concerned about the future which is good. There, and there's a lot of freedom that comes with living life that way, enjoying the day-to-day, working hard in the day-to-day. I feel like that's kind of what this whole discussion has been about is work as hard as you can every single day, build as many relationships as you can every single day, and then trust. 
that it's going to be okay. And it is what it is, and that's okay. Because I am content with what's coming in the future. Would you agree? Yeah. 100%. Okay. Very good. So one last conclusion. If you can, provide an encouraging message to those who are watching. We talked a lot about getting outside your comfort zone. You owned a restaurant. We were young, by the way. We were like 20. Um, <laughs> we're still young. Yeah. And, um, and then you had kids young. You started a family young. You're a mom young, according to society's standards. Um, so what would you say to people who are either considering becoming a mom or trying to get into a position where they want their life to look differently? Like, what are some encouraging things people can take away from your perspective? Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it just comes back to the grace of God. I, there's nothing I have that I haven't been given. Um, so even thinking that through your day, um, if you're a mom right now struggling with your kids, uh, there's just hard stages and contentment is a really hard thing um, to learn, especially when you learn contentment in a stage and then you move on to a new stage and you have to learn it all over again. Uh, but I think if you continually remember that everything you have has been given to you and you just do what the best you can do with it in that moment, in that day, um, don't worry about the details so much. Everyone's life looks different, and it doesn't mean yours is, you know, less than or better than someone else's. It's unique to you. Um, becoming a mom, do it. <laughs> People always think if they get to a point in their lives, you know, it'll be a better time to become a parent. Um, I, I think there's definitely some truth to that, but I think you can use it as an excuse as well, and I really don't think you're ever ready. <laughs> I'm not ready, and we have three. <laughs> I've heard it say said that you're not ready to be a parent until your kids graduate high school, and then, then you're ready to be a parent. Then we should have more kids. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, very good. Maggie, thank you so much. It was obviously a ton of fun for me to have you here. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. It was fun and, to be here. Uh, yeah, it was, this is time well spent, so thank you. Yeah, quality time. That's right. Check the box. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>